Graham talked about what? <laughs> yeah, I think Graham remembered. That's good. The kingdom of God. <laughs> oh, let me flick this on. And so, what we're going to talk about is um, these kingdom values over a few weeks, right? Um, and the, the reason why I got Graham to talk about the kingdom of God is because everything we do. Who's got me iPad? Everything we do comes under the kingdom of God. It was the first thing that Jesus kind of preached. He to proclaim um, the good news and the kingdom of God is near. Thank you, Amanda. Um, and so over the next few weeks, we're going to go through uh, these kingdom values. Gospel presented, faith demonstrated, discipleship imitated, mission activated, I think there's one more, community orientated. Um, and this week I get to talk to you guys about the gospel. Um, and we talk about the gospel a lot, right? Um, it's kind of a, a word that we use a lot, and I think sometimes in Christianity or theology or there's these words like gospel or <coughs> um, mission that can become a bit stale because we kind of use them a lot, but I hope after tonight that we can be invigorated and passionate about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. So the first thing I want to say is, what is the gospel, right? The gospel means good news. Um, pretty simple. Um, I'm going to go all Greek on you, but the reason why, it's not just because I'm at Bible College, but because I think it's really cool to under, understand some of these um, words. So we get the word gospel, right, from this word. Reminds me of a googly on um, that movie. Um, but Gelion, I'm going to say, right? That's where we kind of get this word gospel or good news from. But when you kind of break it up, right, it means good and then kind of messenger, messenger, no, message. Um, and we get from this word like, um, words like evangelize um, or even angel, like take the word back to its original kind of meaning, we get those words coming out of it, like angel and, and um, messenger or evangelize, right? And so it's, it's so important to know that the gospel is good news. Um, when you think about when Christ was born, who was singing um, from the heavens? It's the angels or, or the, the heralds, right? They were heralding, they were proclaiming good news and we, we get the same um, word coming back. Um, and so it's so cool and so important to know that it is the good news that we proclaim. Um, if you want to grab your Bibles, I don't have all of them up here tonight, but if you grab the Bibles under the chairs, grab your iPhones out, it's really cool to read along, David. Um, so in Mark chapter 1, right, just right at the start of Jesus' ministry, um, in the book of Mark, he kind of skips a lot of the stuff the other guys talk about and he just gets straight into it. And so Mark uh, chapter 1 verse 14 says, uh, After John was put in prison, Jesus went into, into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. And the same word there, gospel, good news. Jesus came to proclaim the good news. And often we talk about Jesus as a good news. And it's interesting that even Jesus came to preach the gospel about himself is cool um, and the, the kingdom of God is near heaven is 
entering earth, right? Repent and believe is the gospel. And that's the difference between um, every other kind of religion and, and Christianity, right? Um, every other religion kind of says you've got to do something. You've got to do something to either earn your way up or you've got to do something to make up for what you've done. You've got to do something to kind of empty yourself or enter a spiritual high. But Christianity is totally different. It's about what God has done. And that's why we rejoice and that's why we proclaim it because we proclaim the news of Jesus. We proclaim what God has done because then it wouldn't be a proclamation because it would be just saying Christianity is about doing this stuff. But we proclaim what Jesus has done on the cross. That's why it is good news. And I, I looked around and there's, I got about three or four sheets of kind of things the Bible says about gospel, uh, the gospel and I read it, it's between kind of 80 and 90 times the word gets used. But in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, 1 to 4, I think puts it really, really well. It says this, Now brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. This is uh, Paul. Uh, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So that Christ died for our sins was buried and was raised to life three days later. That is the gospel message. That's the gospel. That's what we centre our lives, our ministries, everything on, is that the gospel, right? And I want to chat about three, three things, three things that I believe are extremely important about the gospel and why it's central to our faith and in this Light Hill vision, why it's of value that we need to be present the gospel super clearly. So just before I do that, let me pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your gospel. I thank you that it's good news. I pray that it it enters our hearts and and it stays there forever, this good news, God, that we proclaim it with our lives and with our actions and with our words. And I pray tonight that you reveal a new thing to us, God, that we walk away more passionate about you than ever, God, and, um, and knowing you more clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. Cool. So the first thing is, there's a difference. <coughs> um, it's not meant to be about there. There's a difference between knowing the gospel and knowing how to communicate the gospel. So there's a difference between knowing the gospel and knowing how to communicate it. Uh, in Christian thought, um, and, and pastoral ministries and what many pastors and youth pastors and people are talking about at the moment is that we're in a, a post-Christendom uh, time. Now, I'm going to explain what that means. Or maybe you've heard um, post-modernism. It's a, a thought process. Uh, I'm going to give you a quick history lesson. So, Jesus died, um, took our sins. He rose again three days later. And then he preached um, to, to people for 40 days. He preached to his disciples and he gave that, 
that um, commission, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. And obey all my, teach them to obey all my commands, I'll be with you um, forever. And so he, he did that and then they, they were released and they waited for the Spirit to come and the Spirit came like tongues of fire and then we kind of get Acts. So we, we go through the Gospels and, and then we get Acts and that's the start of the, the early church, the story of the early church. So that's kind of where Christian, I guess, the ministry comes in and that's the first time we hear about the word Christian, right? Um, so that's where the early church starts. So that goes on for a few hundred years, growing the church, growing that community. We've seen Acts uh, 1, I think, about they had all things in common, or Acts 2, they had all things in common, they shared everything, they grew in, 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 um, in love and in favour. Um, but then about... 300-ish AD. Oh, this is strong, right? 100, this is 100. Except for that, that might blow us. <laughs> it's like a 100-year-old building or something, isn't it? This will hold us up. Um, so around 300 AD, right? So about 300-ish years after Jesus, this guy called Constantine comes along. He's an emperor. And, and, and he rises to fame, right? And... Um, and at the moment, the church is under persecution, right? They're being killed, they're being martyred. We get the word martyr from witness. It was just a Christian, it was a martyr. They would get dragged along the streets by chariots. This is what was happening to the early church. Constantine came along and for some reason he had this vision, right, of this cross. And, it, and that cross was like conquering and, and the world and he, he was leading armies. So he thought, oh, who, who has this cross? Oh, those Christian guys, they talk about the cross. So then Constantine puts crosses all over their, their army, their uniform, their shields and he, and he says we're going to be a Christian nation, right? Or a Christian um, people group. And um, So then he institutionalises Christianity, right? He sets up an institution, right? And he sets up the, the kind of the Roman Catholic Church. Um, so then he, he becomes priests and all sorts of things and... Uh, becomes this real structured thing, right? Um, so then for hundreds of years, till about 1500 AD, this, the Roman Catholic Church grows. There's lots of things in between, like the Nicene Creed happens and the, all those the conferences or whatever that, that, that they come up with. There's lots of stuff in between, but skipping. And, um, but about 1500 AD, Martin Luther steps up and goes, oh, there's some stuff going on here that I don't agree with, right? And he nails these things up on the, on the door and it just, everyone goes crazy about it. And then we call that the, the Reformation. And then, so then the, the Protestants split from the Roman Catholics and that, we get the word Protestant from protest and against the, yep, but, um, but I've got to say too, in, I read a lot of theology and I read great, there's been some really amazing Roman Catholic theologians, um, Augustine, uh, Francis of a hippo, um, it's not the animal, but it's really good um, Catholic theologians. And but but this guy just had enough with that structure, and and, be, and then they became the Protestants, and we're we're a Protestant church here. So that happened around 1500 AD, right? And then um, so Roman Catholics keep going, then the Protestant keeps going, then you get all these the, the denominations, right? And here we are today. But about 20 to 30 years ago there was this shift um, from Christendom, which just means 
everyone knew about Jesus, right? Everyone, most, um, like anyone around my age or younger, most of your parents and grandparents um, probably went to Sunday school. Even if you weren't a Christian in a Christian family, your parents right, would kick you off to Sunday school, Sunday morning. So most people grew up with a, a biblical morality or background or knew about Christ. So you had those guys like um, Billy Graham, you know, he, he would, Billy Graham was coming to town, so everyone would go, oh mate, like you weren't even a Christian, Billy Graham's in town, let's go see him. So you and your mates would jump on the train and go down, and I've talked to, to all the guys that tell me the stories of when Billy Graham was preaching, and it just blows my mind. And So they all get into a train, go down to Billy Graham crusade, and he goes, repent and believe, and, and they're going, yes! And they all, thousands and thousands of people get saved by these Billy Graham crusades and, and are still Christians to this day. Um, but things are changing. There, we have a new generation now where there's, there's no biblical background. Uh, this week, I don't know if you saw my post on um, Facebook, I was talking about um, me and Amanda and Dan and Sarah and that, we do scripture on a Friday with some other guys. And um, this has been what we've been working through. It's called You, um, Being Human in a God's World, right? And it talks about things like, what? Anxious? Me? Um, what you're not? Life? Um, stuff? Speech? All these kind of things. And, but what happened was there was a group that complained that um, it was this book and a couple other books were sexist and horrible and all this kind of stuff. And so we got told the day before that we can't use this book at Scripture on Friday. And so at the moment now, I'm kind of like, we've been told by the government what parts of the Bible we're allowed to talk about in Scripture. You know, like I kind of think, I saw John Dixon on on the TV the other day and he kind of said, well, one day we, we're not allowed to talk about Jesus' death and that he took our sins away. I don't know. But this is, the, this is the world we live in. And I'm not actually saying it's a bad thing. It just is what it is. It kind of reflects more acts where there was the start of Christianity, where there was either lots of gods or no god. And I was interested in finding, I looked on YouTube and I thought, I'll try and find, you know, five, how to explain the gospel in five minutes. I was interested to see what some pastors I like and theologians that I like and interested to know what they say. and But I realised that a lot of them said, I can do that, but it's not really helpful anymore. I can say, Jesus died for our sins and they were buried in the grave and Jesus rose again and triumphed over, over death and we now can have a relationship with God. But people, most people now go, oh, you lost me at Jesus kind of thing. Which is okay, that's what it is. And it's easy for us to kind of be in a defensive role, right? Back in the day we could attack and preach on the street corners and go to town and have some fun, but now we're kind of like, oh, people like, like to talk about philosophy and spirituality, and, but they know a lot, and, and we, there's, but there's no biblical base, so we can't just say, Jesus died for your sin, because people don't know what you're talking about. And Yeah, so it's easy to be def- defensive, right? So there's a difference between knowing the gospel right and now how we communicate. Because how we communicate the gospel now is different from how it used to be communicated. 
but the gospel's the same. And the gospel is a mystery, right? In Ephesians 6.19, it says, pray all, Paul says, Pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given uh, me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. He's praying like, pray for me that, that when I speak, that the, the mystery is unraveled. And sometimes we feel like we've got the answers with the gospel to people. Oh, listen, but... It's a mystery and we should explore that mystery, enjoy that mystery. I believe the gospel needs to now be presented through long-term relationship. And I think there'll still be those evangelists that can get up and have a a gift of reaping where they say a a word and then people go, I need that. Or there's still going to be times when people hear one gospel message and then they turn their lives around. I, I believe that, but I believe now... The gospel, the way we communicate it now needs to come through relationships with people, letting people see your life, letting people see the gospel in your life. Having a close enough friendship with someone that you can talk about the story of God and where we're at, that you can explain biblical um, foundations because you're their friend and they're interested in your life and you're interested in theirs. We need to be engaging in culture. That's what Jesus did. He, he was at the parties, he was at the, the weddings, he was at the feasts, he was at all that stuff. They, one of the, the main things Jesus got called was a drunkard because he was, he was out, in, he was engaged in culture. But we're not to be of the world but in it, right? But engage, he used things around him to explain the gospel, right? And, and we can't like... It's a bit silly for us to try and talk to someone who doesn't have God and talk about sheep, right? But we do that. But that's because we know what that means because we have a background in, in knowing about God and stuff. But old mate down the road, he's not a shepherd. <laughs> he, might not, he might be a farmer. He might know a little bit. But you know what I mean? We need to, we need to use our culture to explain the gospel. I remember giving my mate... Um, a Christian CD. And he, he's, he, he's not a Christian, and, but he's one of my best mates and, and, he's a, and he's a Maori and he likes to rap and beatbox and I gave him this Lecrae CD, gave it to him. We used to go to Big X today together. I gave it to him and he's like, Sick, man, thanks. And, and I saw him later, I don't know if it was months later or years later, and I said, oh, what would you think of the CD? He's like, oh, dude, it's so cool. And me and me girl would just be hooking up and just listening to it and it was real cool. I'm like... Whoa, okay, I wasn't expecting you to use it. It was a bit more open than that, but it was, I was like, I wasn't expecting you to like be listening to this stuff about God and doing that, but he, he had no remorse, no conviction, no, he didn't connect the dots, right? And that's funny, it's okay, because it's who he is. And, but it's the, it's the life we live now, people don't connect those dots anymore. But we need to look for where God is already moving in people's lives. God's not just working in our lives. He's working in non-Christians' lives too. He's, he's already at work. I don't know about you guys who, who may be converted at a point in your life and you think about all the things God did before that moment and it all kind of made sense because God is at work even before you become a Christian. And it's cool for us to look into that and see if, if someone hates their job and you go, why do you hate it? And they go, oh, I just 
feel empty. I feel like I've got something more. And you go, oh, that's cool. And you start a conversation from there and you talk about how I used to feel empty and Jesus was, he filled that spot for me. Look for where God's moving. And then in 1 Peter 3.15 it says this, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Always be ready to give that hope that you have, but do it with gentleness and respect. There's a difference between knowing the gospel and knowing how to communicate it. We're actually shifting into a new way of communicating this thing. Now, the second thing is that we need to be constantly preaching the gospel to ourselves, right? We often think that this is something that we proclaim and preach to other people. But uh, this guy called Paul Tripp says, No one is more influential in your life than you are because no one talks to you more than you do. Right? No one talks to us more than ourselves. We've always got a conversation going in our heads. What are we doing with that? Are you preaching the gospel to yourself? Preaching the grace of God? In um, 1 Corinthians 15, it says, uh, 1 to 2, it says, Now, brothers and sisters, I remind you of the gospel I preached to you, right? So he's reminding of a gospel he's already said and that they've already experienced, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. So he's saying, hold on to this gospel that you already know, that I already preached to you. Hold on to it. Put it in your heart. Preach it to you daily. Know that uh, by which you are saved. Hold firmly to the word. Psalm 16.8 says, I've set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand and I shall not be shaken. Christ is always before me. The gospel that Jesus died for our sins, for our mess, for our baggage and rose again, that, that grace where justice and mercy meet on the cross. Always before me. 2 Timothy 2.1 says, Are you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong. It's the grace of the cross that allows us to be strong. Are you preaching the gospel to yourself daily? You know, most, most of the anxieties that come from evangelism stem from Christians not believing the gospel themselves. I remember... Uh, running this game that we used to have uh, chapel every fortnight on a Friday after lunch at the Christian school and we'd have worship and, and the teachers would walk around like this up and down the aisles and weren't allowed to do anything or move and kind of do this kind of thing. And um, I got asked to, I was trying to make it a bit funner and I got asked to, I said, could we run some games? So me and my mate were allowed to run games. And do you remember that TV show um, Singing Bee? Do you ever remember that? Oh, so what, what happened was this like, everybody, that song would come on, the dude would run down and run and high five him down the aisle and he'd get like, you, and they'll like, woo, and then you, woo, and four people get up on the stage and the song would start and then it, it'd be a lyrics to the song and then it would stop and then they'd have to finish the lyrics to the song. So we're doing that, like me and me mate are running down the aisles and woo, having fun, jumping around. It was really fun throwing out chocolates and then, and then one of the teachers goes, hey, could you just um, 
Just bring God into it somehow. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, why don't I bring God into it? We're just having fun. And um and so I'm like, oh and just just remember guys that um you know, you have a voice and that God God loves um voices and to sing and God just um you know, like he gives us that voice and um we should sing to him, kind of, yeah. And I just like made no sense, and I just sounded like an idiot because I didn't really believe what I was saying. <laughs> I had no idea what I was talking about. And at that point in my life, I didn't necessarily believe the gospel. I didn't believe that Jesus would die for a guy like me, right? And forgive me and let me live as a righteous man through Jesus' blood. Now, how can you preach the gospel that you don't believe in? How can you love someone when you're questioning the love God has for you? Now we need to be constantly preaching the gospel to ourselves. Do we believe this thing? Trip uh, goes on to say, anger, fear, panic, discouragement stalk our hearts and whisper in our ears a false gospel that will lure our lives away from what we say we believe. Anger, fear, insecurity will pull us away from the gospel that we know. So we need to be preaching, preaching that gospel to ourselves daily. Meditate, uh, meditate day and night on the gospel of grace. You know, what is capturing your idle thoughts? You're preaching the gospel. Uh, 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Satan is waiting for your theology, your understanding of God or the gospel to just twist so he can get in there and lure you away from what you know. And that's why preachers and pastors and stuff are always pressing on the gospel. Every time I do a sermon or a youth talk, I put the gospel in there because that's what everything is about, Jesus on the cross. And because we need to be really clear about what the gospel is. And that's why it's part of the Light Hill vision is because as our young guys come up through our youth ministry, we want them to know the gospel of Jesus super clearly. That's why I say it over and over and over. Because there's so many other ideologies and, and different um, things that will take us away from the gospel. So we need to be constantly preaching the gospel to ourselves. The third and the final thing is that we, the gospel affects us daily and in all parts of our lives. Yeah, we need to be preaching it to ourselves, but it also affects everything that we do. Um, Piper says that you never, ever, 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 ever outgrow your need for the gospel. It's not just a ticket to heaven, right, or something that happens in your conversion. You never, ever, 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 ever outgrow your need for the gospel. And I want you to think right now about any struggle in your life, any sin. Think about it. How does the gospel affect that? How does Jesus dying on the cross affect what you're thinking about right now, that, that sin or anxiety? Or, how does the cross affect that? How does the gospel affect that? What does what happened on the cross mean for that anger 
in your life? What does Jesus dying on the cross mean for your lust? Or how does God's grace on the cross help that? What does Jesus dying on the cross for you affect the way in which you look into the mirror each morning and the words that you say to yourself? What does the cross say about that? You're preaching the gospel to yourself. The gospel affects every part of your life, every waking moment of your life. I remember preparing a sermon once and I came across um, this verse and it just said, Jesus said, do you trust me? He's talking to his disciples. And it, it, was, it was one of his crazy miracles and this big sermon that I was meant to, and I just it was like, oh, it kept drawing me back to, do you trust me? And like that moment in my life, there was things in my life that I was holding on to. I didn't want to let go. And I could not finish this sermon because those words were just like piercing into my heart. Do you trust me? And I just like realised that there was something in my life, a door that was shut, that God needed me to open and let him have. Do you trust me? And I realised I had to stop trying to prep my sermon. I got on my knees and I was like, no, I don't trust you in this area. I had to say that because I realised I didn't. I realised I didn't. But then I just said, yes. And I realised that once I said, yes, I trust you, it means I had to change my life. I had to trust him. And that was just a little part in my life. God was still doing great things in so many other areas of my life. But there's this one part where I just didn't want to let go because I struggled to trust him. But the cross means that I can let it go because I can put it on Jesus, put it on the cross so that he can deal with the anxiety and the control and everything around that. So the cross affects every part of our life. The gospel is not just the ticket that got you in, right? It sustains your life. I like in Hebrews 12, we we often chat about this, but it says, "Um, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It's through Christ's work on the cross that we can throw off all the things that hinder us. It's because of the gospel that we can actually throw off our baggage and our mess. Everything in our lives. The gospel affects us daily and in all parts of our lives. You've got to give everything to God. Let the gospel, right, the good news, direct our lives. The gospel affects us daily and in all parts of our lives. I'm actually going to land, uh, finish here, right? I want to finish with three things. Actually, I'll put these back so you can keep looking at them. How is the gospel, right, affecting your life, your daily walk with God, everything you do, your waking moment till you go to sleep? How does the gospel affect your work, your school, your relationships, your friendships, your money, 
How is the gospel affecting your life? Are you letting the gospel transform your life daily? Do you need to step out and proclaim that good news? Gospel isn't something to hold on to ourselves. Do you need to step out? But how is it affecting your relationships, your work, your everything you do? How does the gospel, the cross, affect everything you do? The second thing I want to say is ask good questions to your friends and to God. You know, sometimes I feel like we have these Christian answers for everything. Like when we're feeling real hopeless. Go, oh, I guess in Jeremiah 29:11, that'll make you feel better. Or for another plans I have for you to quit. Like maybe, like go deeper than that. Ask God, why do I feel like this every day of my life? Well, why do I get angry when I have the Holy Spirit living in me? Ask those questions. Ask them to your friends, to your pastors, to your mentors, to your husbands, to your wives. Like, we don't have to be happy, clappy, masked Christians. If we chat about how we're feeling in God, we need to remind ourselves of passages all the time, but as long as we're not just burying it down. Tackle hard passages. Go deeper with God. The gospel is awesome. Go, de- go to those passages that freak you out. Explore them. Read lots. I used to just kind of stick with the four gospels kind of thing, but I was convicted that I need to go deeper in this. So ask good questions. Go deeper with God. Ask real questions to him. I heard this cool sermon on, on, on the Psalms and it, they're very emotive and it talks about that because God's a safe place to bear our hearts to. And the third thing is, and this one is for you young guys, the next generation. But how are you older guys going to champion the next generation, right, who's growing up in this post-Christendom world? How are you young guys going to grow up in the ways of God in a world where Christians are despised, are hated, where people think Christians are stupid, their beliefs are outdated. This is the 21st century, 2015. Come on, get a grip. Like, How are you going to be strong in that, in the gospel? Your lives are actually starting to reflect more what we see in Acts with the pagan gods and the idols and the early church. Because like for me, I feel like I'm in a transition between generations. I don't know what it's like to grow up in a, in a world where, like when I was a teenager, youth group was the, you just went there on a Friday night and then you went to the parties afterwards. But at least you went to youth group. And, and, and it was cool, cool place to be. But you young guys are growing up in a generation where people don't even know who Jesus is or what they know of Jesus is just a wacko. You know, are you pumped for this? Are you pumped? I'm pumped feel like discipleship is more important than ever. He's, God is moving in a new generation and it's in you guys. He's doing a good thing. It's exciting. So just Matt's going to um, get a, a clip ready for me while I just finish here. Um, so just this last little clip, it's got some sound. 
it just shows you the simplicity of the gospel. You don't need to study theology for 20, 30 years to understand it. You need to be tapped on the shoulder by God. And this is a cool little clip that it expresses um, the beauty and the power of the gospel. Ready, Matt? Nope. We're getting there. And um, let me pray while that gets ready. Lord, I thank you for the gospel, God. I thank you that it, it challenges us, but it comforts us, God. I pray that we can wear the gospel on our heart, Lord, that we can know it and we can live by it, Lord, that we can preach the gospel to ourselves daily, that we can know the grace of God, we can know the power of Christ in his resurrection, Lord, that, that we know that we are washed by Jesus' blood, that we live in that, God. Help us to step out, to proclaim this good news that we have, Lord. Let's be people that can't hold it in. Be like the heralds proclaiming Jesus' birth in the sky for all to see. In Jesus' name, Amen.